Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Later in the programme, I join band leader Colin Aitchison as we celebrate 45 years of the music pub Ned Kelly's Last Stand in Chimsa Choi. But first, the heritage NGO Urban Diary, run by Chloe Lai, has put together a documentary of three elderly ladies in a Lantau village who still sing the folk songs of their specific area. <laughs> This film will be showing at the Fringe Club on Friday, December the 15th. Conservationist Heide Kickerboy, who co-founded the Heritage Tour Group Walk in Hong Kong, also helped translate these songs. He joined me to talk about the local lyrics and his experiences. Hello, I'm Heather. I am from Hong Kong. I'm from here. I grew up here. I was born here. But I'm an urban bumpkin, I would say. I grew up on Hollywood Road and uh, later on my family moved to Corrie Bay. I have never really had uh, much experience of uh, rural Hong Kong uh, apart from the occasional hike in the countryside when I was a student. Uh, and these days uh, that's where I go to relax at weekends getting away from work. But my one like significant experience of living in the countryside uh, it's actually from Guatemala. Uh, five years ago, I lived in Guatemala for five months. And two of those five months, I was living in a lakeside town. That lake is called Lago Atitlan. It's a tourist attraction. So it's popular, it can be busy, but otherwise it's rural. And I was living in a small town with a population of no more than a thousand. And one thing that really amazed me although it's something very ordinary for the people living in that town, was uh, anyone you meet, anyone you speak to in that town, they can tell you everything about the different uh, types of vegetations that grow in their midst, basically. People know the names of different plants. People know what different plants are good for. For instance, they know the different types of uh, dye you can extract from different leaves. They know which water plants are good for making soap. They know which plants are edible. And they know where to find the different plants around their town. They, they know the locations of, of the different types of plants. So pe- people can just go into bushes to uh, find lots of avocados, for instance, or for guacamole. There's also coffee plantations. I guess the key thing is that people in that town, they're really in tune with nature. They're in harmony with nature. And you're not as an urban bumpkin? No, I'm an urban bumpkin. I, I was amazed. People any age uh, you, you spoke to, wh- whether they are like a grandfather figure or young guys in their early 20s, everyone knows a lot about the plants that grow around them. And I have very little knowledge about plants that grow in Hong Kong in the city. Probably until after I came back from Guatemala. But I, I guess that experience of living in that... Guatemalan lakeside town for five months. It, it was eye-opening, it was inspiring. After I came back from, from that trip, I started to see Hong Kong a bit differently. I, I realised, actually, I, I need to learn up my plant's knowledge of Hong Kong. So that, that's my entry point to translating these folk song lyrics. Because these folk songs, they're sung by... Well, today, they're, they're, they're only known to... They are sung by uh, old, old ladies. And the lyrics, they are very descriptive, they are very rich in content. They tell you a lot about the the landscape, they tell you a lot about the seasons, they tell you a lot about the the plants, the different types of fishes and different animals as well. 
in this little village in South Lantau. So these elderly ladies are continuing on this tradition, so a lot of these women are in their 70s or even older. Now, the interesting thing is that you translated it from Chinese into English, which is marvellous because it gives people like me access to this rural tradition. But in fact, Chloe Lai, who was researching and carrying out this project, had to translate it from dialect initially. Yes, my friend Chloe Lai, she created this project, and I'm sure it was so much more, 100 times more difficult for her to be translating the lyrics from this South Lantau village dialect into Cantonese than it was for me to translate the Cantonese lyrics into English. The reason is, these days, very few people speak that South Lantau village dialect. So Chloe, she had to spend a lot of time finding the right people to do correct translations for her, especially because a lot of the lyrics are about different types of birds and plants. So first you need a bird watcher, uh, <laughs> ornithologist, yeah, to, to crack the, the codes basically. But those bird names, they were sung in, in the South Lantau village dialect. So eventually Chloe was able to find someone who is in his 50s, I guess. He, he knows that dialect, he's also a bird watcher. It's precious what uh, Chloe, my friend, has done. This documentary is an invaluable preservation of a little-known part of Hong Kong rural heritage. I know this subject is not the most sexy if I may, but in 30, 50 years' time when people watch this documentary, it will be a marvellous treasure from the past because, sadly, this is dying heritage. There's very few people still speaking this dialect today, but through the lyrics, we can catch some useful rich glimpses into uh, rural life in, in this part of Lantau. Yes, Chloe Lai of Urban Diary, she picked some really interesting topics. This is uh, the project that looks at uh, these rural songs done by a set uh, area in uh, Lantau by these women who are now um, quite elderly. So it's, it's really capturing before it's gone the, these songs, which uh, then were handed over to uh, Heide Kikaboy um, to translate. Now, it, you were mentioning, you know, the bird song, uh, the you were mentioning the, the types of bird. You also, um, when I was looking at some of the lyrics earlier, you had to uh, produce agricultural terms like winnowing. and uh, so. But uh, a lot of it is very much about the land. It's about farming. But some of it is downright bawdy. Uh, yeah, that's the word, bawdy. Uh, so I can uh, read a few lines. There's one song, it's about the 12 calendar months. For each month, they talk about a different bird. And then they talk about what happens in that month or season. And the 10th month, for me, that, that's the most uh, funny. So I'll read you the lines. The 10th month brings quails. They eat themselves full in the upper fields, then make lots of noise in the lower fields. So the old ladies, or, or the lyrics, they're very particular, very descriptive about the, the, the setting, the landscape. In this month of harvests, the sickle frenzy brings blushed faces. 
do not look at the hairless bottoms. And I'll explain a bit. So basically, this is the month of uh, harvest. So people they go down the fields and then they wield their sickles, and they just uh, go into a frenzy. Yeah, but but sometimes they they go into overdrive. They get carried away. So probably there's one instance when uh, one guy, he was uh, swooshing his sickle about uh, too uh, vigorously, and he caught someone's trousers. And that person's uh, pe- pair of trousers uh, fell, and his bottoms got exposed. <laughs> and for some reason, that guy he's got a he- hairless bottoms. <laughs> So it's now, isn't it amazing that you know we're sitting here actually in Corto Bay today, and uh, we're talking about you know this this song and this and this man's bottom that's it's now in a rural song for perpetuity. Exactly, uh, <laughs> uh, he he he's got his hellish bottom celebrated. Uh, it's, it's been immortalised uh, in these lyrics. So. There's birds, there's the land, and and something that you've commented on is the fact that uh, some of that land is very uh, close geography in the sense that it will be very specific. It'll be upper field, lower field, uh, but uh, also it talks about people's dreams and aspirations. Yeah, totally. Some of the uh, lyrics they are of recurring themes. One of which is uh, courtship, flirtations, and. Uh, There's many stories in these、uh, songs. They're about men dreaming of getting rich and marrying beautiful women, and marrying lots of wives. So, for instance,、uh, one guy he sings, and I'll read you the lines. I'll marry eight wives when I get rich, and then he goes into a division of labor for each of these eight imaginary wives. Two wives will farm. Two will winnow the rice, and each of the rest will measure and cut the cloths, thread the needle, and sew. And what will he be doing? I think he'll just be lounging about, drinking white wine, and、uh, <laughs> enjoying the sight of、uh, putting his、uh, eight wives、uh, to to work、uh, for him.、Uh, so, in a way, you can say it's quite stereotypical or sexist.、Uh, some of the, these lyrics, probably、uh, a lot of these men, they are not. Particularly handsome, and、uh, they're not particularly resourceful economically, and all they can do is、uh, daydream about the joys of polygamy. Did you have fun translating? Yeah, I did because there are quite a number of songs in this collection. A lot of themes they they repeat, so I, I really think they give us a good representative set of glimpses of the dreams, aspirations, or daily life of, of these people in this South Lantau village from. At least half a century ago, I learned something about rural life in this part of Lantau. I get to appreciate people's closer connection to to nature. I learn about the the cycles of life, the different seasons, and also I've got to try to be you no know, good with the translation. So I've I've got to make the lines、uh, rhyme. I've got to make them tell a lot in. Simple uh, lines, a、uh, few words. So, for instance, my two favorite lines in this collection—they go like this. Again, it tells you the like, like heartfelt. It's like a lament from men.、Uh, my worn shirt bears my shoulders, but who cares to mend my hose? So there's two la- layers of meaning. First, he's talking about the, the hose in his、uh, shirt. It's worn. So no, no one、uh, mends the hose in his shirt for him. 
but at the same time more deeply more philosophically metaphorically he's talk about I guess uh, the, the, the gaps the, the emptiness he, he feels in his heart yeah. so he's got no, no wife no girlfriend so no one take, takes care of his uh, like daily chores but at the same time no one is there to give him company so no one is there to fill the void in his heart are you quite a romantic? I can be <laughs> as and when necessary I guess no, but generally I I try to be rational. <laughs> and would you say that through Guatemala and through Chloe's Urban Diary project in Lantau, you are less of an urban bumpkin than when you began? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Uh, and also one of my other roles, I, I, I do different things, I keep myself busy. I'm with a group called Walking Hong Kong, we do heritage walking tours in different parts of Hong Kong. So through my walking tours, I, I really learn more about Hong Kong, this place where I, I was born, uh, where I've grown up. As we all know, Hong Kong history is not something that's been taught or that's been well taught in, in the schooling system in, in Hong Kong. So much of my Hong Kong history knowledge uh, is something that I've just learned from books and from story collections like what Urban Diary does. Even uh, like to today in the heart of the city now we're sitting outside Central Library in Ku Sui Bay. Hong Kong has really built up its concrete jungle but there's still lots of trees around. There's still lots of geographical features that remind us of the past. For instance, Central Library, we're in Ku Sui Bay but behind this building we have Tai Hang. Tai Hang means the big ditch. So once upon a time when we look at historical photographs of this area, there really was a big ditch. Hence the Jardin Cotton Factory next door where St. Paul's Convent School is today. A cotton factory is a, a facility that needs lots of water. Yeah? So that, that big ditch uh, came in useful. And Tai Hang, as we know, once upon a time there was a thriving laundry business. Not money laundering, but re really, <laughs> we're talking about uh, clothes washing. But today, that big ditch has been covered over. But yeah, in names of places, if we pay attention to the little geographical details of the city, we, we can still learn a lot about what Hong Kong was like once upon a time. So that nature is, is in the city. It's just there to be rediscovered, I think. My thanks to Heidi Kickerboy talking there on the folk songs of a documentary that will be showing at the Fringe Club next Friday, December the 15th. The film is called Rhymes of Shoi Hao. The village dates back 300 years on Lantau and means mouth of a waterway. If you'd like to see Rhymes of Shoi Hao, tickets are available at the Fringe Club. Heidi Kickerboy wears many hats and works very hard for Hong Kong's heritage. He's been at the forefront of efforts to save the 65-year-old former State Theatre in North Point. Built in 1952, the State Theatre is the last grand mid-20th century theatre still standing in Hong Kong today. To mark that anniversary, Haida's group Walk in Hong Kong have organised an exhibition called Next Stop State Theatre, an exhibition celebrating its 65th anniversary and beyond. The exhibition presents four possible future uses for the historic building, designed by four teams of young Hong Kong architects. The exhibition is on in North Point at 18 Fort Street at Connecting Space. So that's Connecting Space at 18 Fort Street in North Point for that exhibition on the State Theatre and possible future designs. And that's on until December the 26th.
And now we move on from Lantau folk songs to Chimsar Choi band music in celebration of the 45th anniversary of Ned Kelly's Last Stand. this program Colin Aitchison I've been talking about folk songs on Lantau so how am I going to move from folk songs on Lantau to a pub in Ashley Road here in Chimsachoy well <laughs> Anne-Marie it's going to be a long hike for both of us <laughs> okay so you hike from uh, Lantau to Lama and then <laughs> over here and over to Ned Kelly's yes <laughs> but you can I can promise you one thing there'll be a drink at the end of it <laughs> You've been a part of Ned Kelly since 1998, and in fact, I've talked to you on the 35th anniversary, on the 40th, and now here we are on the 45th anniversary. Now, when you came here in 1998 to work and lead the band at Ned Kelly's, did you anticipate that you'd be still doing it nearly 20 years on? No, no. <laughs> Actually, Anne-Marie, I first worked at Ned Kelly's. I used to do the sort of the Sunday and Monday nights from 1993 Ken Bennett at that time was the regular band leader at that time and then when he left after the handover I was asked then to come in and take over and no you're right I only expected to be here for about two years and not really? still standing here <laughs> yes I was one of those yes and I just can't believe that it's now 2017 and I'm still standing here talking to you in Ashley Road just from an economic perspective, Ned Kelly's has, uh, has been a part of Ashley Road for 45 years. That's, I mean, I think that considering how many pubs and clubs disappear over the years, that's quite extraordinary. Yes, I, th- I think our saviour actually has been that uh, the owner, Mr Tom Parker, was an entertainer himself. Still has a lot of love for the place. And because he owns the place, that's helped a great deal I think we'd probably go like the others we wouldn't be here now you know but it's great to see the place still fills up when I first started work here it was mainly expats British army police you know then after 1997 there was that sort of funny changeover period and it was quite a tough time then but gradually we've built up now quite apart from the expats that still come in like trade fairs cruise ships we have now a large Asian base Koreans Japanese and locals holding their birthday parties here and even last week we had some uh, youngsters from mainland China in buying the CD and joining a few great you know but uh, no it's, it's so that's been quite a change so we have more of a sort of a mixed audience now whereas before it was I would say 95% expat you know now, over the winter months, you also not only have live jazz uh, every night. Now, would you like... I mean, I was, I, I've always understood it as live jazz every night, but do you think that that is a correct description, or would you say live jazz, swing, other aspects? Yeah, I mean, basically, Ned Kelly's has really been famous for its traditional Dixieland, New Orleans jazz. That's what it's, it's lived on. Still today, even, we get all those requests for, of course... Uh, Muscat Ramble when the Saints go marching and of course we still do that but we do also do uh, lots of other types of uh, things like a bit of Latin jazz, swing and of course we are not really a 100% Dixieland band or swing band we are basically really a show band so we do the comedy numbers we get people singing along put on a show you know 
But so also during the winter months, do you also have a monthly big band? We do a 16-piece big band, if you can squeeze in. There's more musicians than customers, but... Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we have a, a lot of fun. Uh, six times a year, March, April, May, October, November, and the Christmas big band special. Yes, we do the sessions on the second Sunday of those months. That's extraordinary because also where do you get... I mean, this is the other thing that I feel in Hong Kong. I mean, to a large extent, big bands have disappeared from the Hong Kong yeah. scene. Well, yes, it's very expensive, you know, to... Uh, it's not like going back in the old days of Hong Kong when every club, every hotel, more or less, everybody had a big band, ballroom dancing, the taxi dancing with the girls and all this sort of thing, you know, diamond dance, you could say, but um, those days have gone. Uh, the guys who I use... We have no rehearsals. It's just a blow, but they're all professional musicians. And they're very tight. I mean, I've been to some of these yeah. shows. You would not know that they're just literally going on the... I mean, I'm sure that they're familiar with a lot of the Glenn Miller or all the oh, other aspects. Oh, of course, yes. But that kind of swing is incredibly hard to play. Oh, it is. I mean, and for the, try and get the right feel for it and all this. Of course, you know, we do have the odd little train wreck down there, but it's all <laughs> part of the fun, you know. Uh, I've, I've got a great habit of just throwing out arrangements at them. Oh, what's this one? Let's try this bang in general no the boys are very good sight readers very experienced of course and over the years they've played for Tony Carpio and a lot of big bands who were around you know over the last 20 years etc you know with uh, Colin Aitchison and the China Coast Jasmine how many players do you have uh, the regular band I have six players I have the Italian Franco Velusi uh, he's, he's a wonderful musician great clarinet player Great saxophone player. He's been with me now for about five years, and he does a great job. And he's such a good PR guy too when he's down on the floor. There's Pepin Seriaco, who I believe now is either 79 or 80. I can't figure that one out at the moment, but he's still blowing well when you think of the age. I mean, so he's your trumpeter. He's my trumpet player. Flugelhorn plays a very nice flugelhorn. And then I've got on drums a new drummer. Robert retired from the band after being there for many years with Ken Bennett and myself. So we've got uh, Noel on drum. Young, more here than me. And sharp, very clean cut. And a very fine drummer. We've also got on bass, I think I'm Marie, you know him, Joe Natras, who has been in Ned Kelly's since, yeah, the early days when Ken Bennett first took over, more or less, all the way, all, you know, off and on all the way through. And he's still as young as ever, so what's the secret, Anne Marie, yeah? <laughs> and then, of course, we have uh, Mr. the Mr. Espirito, full of spirit, Aki, who's, well, a multi instrumentalist. First instrument is guitar, fine guitar player, then he plays banjo. Tingles on the piano, but he's a wonderful sousaphone player. When you are a band leader for this amount of years, what's the secret behind that? I think 
for my angle, I don't uh, recognise myself as so much as a musician there. I recognise myself more as an entertainer. I try to put in this day and age now, which the way the world is, they come into Ned Kelly's to relax, have a beer, have some snacks, a meal or whatever, and I try to put a smile on the faces. And that's what I've always tried to do. And I think even the band leaders before me, Dennis James, Ken Bennett, they did the same thing also. Because I think part of Ned Kelly's is really because the band's right on top of the audience and you've got to get them or try and get them to be on your side. Get a smile there, have a laugh with them, find out where they're from. People love to be talked to and have that bit of escapism. Now you, before you came to Hong Kong, you were also a musician on cruise ships. But you, if we take you back to North England, in fact, you, uh, your father was also a musician. That's right. Uh, Dad was a quite a well-known musician uh, in the northeast of England, especially the Newcastle area. And his name? Uh, Huey Aitchison. And I was brought up with uh, big bands and jazz around me. He was a big fan of Duke Allington. So I was brought up on all this stuff, you know, so eventually... You know, I uh, decided I have a go at the trumpet, have a go at the trombone. It put me uh, forward for the future. I actually went on tour of Chipperfield Circus, worked at Ponton's Holiday Camps, was on the road with a show band for many, many years all over England, and eventually joined the cruise ships, which brought me out to the wonderful place called Asia. Who would you say are your favourites? As a trombone player, you know, I'm a bit old time that we are. I certainly love Jack Teagard and Tommy Dorsey's trombone players. And trumpet-wise, of course, most people, even trumpet players today, are still influenced by Louis Armstrong and Big Spiderbeck. Two different styles, but again, very melodic. And Louis, in his early days, was just a wonderful trumpet player. You know, before he did all the cabaret stuff and all the entertaining which I've also learned a lot from just watching videos of him. Yeah, man, I'm just telling you, I'm really, that's bad. Yeah, wonderful. So can you give me a bit of what a wonderful... I see trees, I've dreamed Mad roses I've seen them bloom here for me and for you And I think to myself, what a wonderful world Colin Aitchison there of Colin Aitchison and the China Coast Jasmine marking 45 years of live music at Ned Kelly's Last Stand. To finish up, I'd like to remember trumpeter Barry Yanaza, who was featured on the programme in past years and died in 2013. Barry was part of the band at Ned Kelly's for years and played until his early 80s. So here's Barry playing us out with Hoagie Carmichael's Stardust. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.